When Lost premiered ten years ago, I was at college while my younger brother and parents latched onto the story of the survivors of Oceanic Flight 815 on a crazy science fiction island. And by the time Lost concluded in 2010, I had joined millions in the week-to-week speculating about symbolism and motives, one white and one black, and just how stupidly perfect a wine cork metaphor could play. In contrast to many of our expectations, when the sixth season ended in a church bathed in white light, we were presented with the mantra, It's all about the characters, reportedly straight off the whiteboard from the Lost writer's room. If that's true, the story of Lost is a story of how our time on Earth is meaningful because the people we love and connect to will bond with us well into the afterlife and guide us through purgatory. Embrace destiny, the series conclusion says, even if it causes you pain in the moment, because this isn't all there is. There's a warm, white light with all your loved ones at the end. However, the way Lost was plotted, the mystery series was also about a magical island that holds the world's evil at bay, and the one period in its existence where its protector had an adversary that happened to be his biological brother. So ten years after the debut, television has adapted certain aspects of Lost. Take The Walking Dead, whose title is also a double entendre for the character and plot devices that weave that narrative. Zombies are, as all the characters, yada yada. Or the heavy serialization of J.J. Abrams' follow-up Fringe, with its time travel and actual alternate reality for those diehard secular Lost fans who expected that's what the Flash Sideways segments always really were. In an attempt to relive what I remembered loving about Lost, I jumped onto Netflix and started rewatching the show. With the entire narrative available to me, a narrative advantage over the creators of the show who spun a story from week to week, season to season, it makes me want to revisit specific moments rather than digest the entirety of the series again. And I wondered why that was. Because as a critical thinker, I recognize that revisiting something is always a different experience than the initial viewing, although arguably twice as valuable in trying to gain a greater understanding of whatever you're evaluating. Wasn't my impulse basically as if I dog-eared pages on a novel where I underlined my favorite passages? The first step of any thought process these days is to dig yourself into a Google hole, so I turned to the browser in the grand tradition of my generation. In searching the internet, I stumbled upon Katie's review of the Lost Complete Series Blu-ray set and was surprised how her connection to the series, when she looked back in August 2010, echoed how I felt about rewatching the series as a whole. Welcome to Fighting in the War Room's Lost Project Podcast. Please follow along at fightingintheworroom.com backslash lostfiller for the complete text and videos. The following are the audio segments. All right, Katie. Ready? No peeking. Uh, uh, David. Uh, uh, uh. Do you really think all this is an accident? That we, a group of strangers, survived? Many of us with just superficial injuries? Do you think we crashed on this place by coincidence? Especially this place? We were brought here for a purpose, for a reason, all of us. We have to go back! What about me? What about 
two sides. One is light. One is dark. So, as opposed to if you have listened to previous Fighting in the War Room episodes, uh, my previous extremely lonely uh, full rewatch through all Star Trek series, where I basically sat in my room for four hours and a night and watched various uh, sci-fi fantasies, and Gene Roddenberry taught me a whole bunch of morals. I thought in uh, response to the uh, my rewatch of Lost in honor of its 10th anniversary of existing, I would instead sort of try to make it a more interactive experience to talk about both the way that we use rewatches to relive television experiences. And in the case of Lost, for me, that was sort of distilling the mythology away from um, the flashes and character story, which was, I guess, the solution that we were all told by Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse that it's all supposed to be about the stories. And these people were lost not only on an island, but within themselves. And I get that, and I don't dispute that the show worked on that level. What I guess my question in a rewatch is, and what I think is interesting about rewatching mystery series like Lost, is uh, to try to isolate what sort of work was done by the show and the writers and the characters in what I thought the focus was as somebody who was very focused on the mythology of the series and sort of got caught up in the method of storytelling as an actual plot. Even though I think it does exist, and at the end of my sort of exercise, I discovered that it just maybe doesn't exist in the way that we specifically want it to, but it does exist in a way that has a consistent amount of overlap, so you can't ultimately cut anything that's at the core of the series. So even though we are not seeing Jack be a doctor, you never really question who the character of Jack is, you just sort of only see him in the context of someone who has to learn to defend the island. So I guess in uh, as we begin this sort of look back and uh, sort of watching television series, did everybody watch Lost while it was airing? I think that's an important place to start. Yes. Um, I did not. I caught oh, up. Patches. I caught up by season five. So I had kind of binged watch one through four and then been watching week to week starting with five. Did you binge watch one through four in like, one period of time like you started one and then didn't stop well i mean it was a probably it was a period of time that would might have been like three or four months but uh i'm not i'm also not a binge watcher who watches eight episodes of one day and has done an entire tv series in like one week or something yeah i mean that's interesting to me because i think lost is one of those shows that really straddled the line between the capability to binge watch and not because if you think back to 2004 was like Friends was ending and Arrested Development was about to go into its second year and all sorts of weird television dramas were sort of spinning in their middle years. We were just at the beginning of the anti-hero push from HBO. Did um, did Lost ever air on Netflix while it was it was did. it available on Netflix while it was airing? It's funny that you, you say that it? because I was just thinking that Lost and Arrested Development were two of the only series on on. Netflix or the first series on Netflix streaming. So yeah, that's how I watched them. Okay, and so it was, they were it also available. A- maybe they were available on ABC.com too at that point or Hulu. They um, probably were. But I don't know how far back. I know that I had to catch up with um, episodes of Lost that aired, you know, that week on ABC or Hulu. But did ne- you have yeah, to Netflix get anything on DVD to watch most of the old? God, ones, no. 
See, that's what what's funny is like the one of the first gifts that I ever gave Michael, which was lost on DVD because that was the way that you watched television at this point. This was in 2006. And like the idea of giving anyone a show, a television show on DVD right now is hilarious. Yeah, my roommate at the time <laughs> bought the lost season, the giant box that looked like the temple after the show uh-huh. ended. Um, and I, I was disappointed. I was ashamed of him for buying it because it was <laughs> gigantic and it was so archaic already. Ashamed. Like I was like, it's over, man. Give up. It, physical media. Get that temple out of my house. <laughs> but when it, I mean, when it started, there we, we weren't streaming television series like we were streaming other things. Like, I don't think in 2004 we were... There was any sort of streaming. When did Netflix? Oh, definitely not. Launch? In, definitely not in two thousand four when it uh, when the show started. Yeah, so just sort of like bridging that. I wonder if have we evolved as the way that we watch television from living in a world where you know we binge watch is the way that you know David, Katie, and I saw Lost inherently different from the way that Patches saw Lost. I think Pat, like, I think maybe ahead. even the bigger difference with the way that Patches watch Lost is the rise of like the, you know, the conversation around TV shows as they air. You know, ha- we had talked about True Detective last week and the way that those kind of fervent conversations happening. And that was definitely happening about Lost. I was reading a lot of Lost blogs at the time and it's some of its later seasons, but it definitely was not as intense as it is now. And partly because of the ability to rewatch wasn't as intense as it is now. Lost sort of taught me what kind of TV viewer I am. Which, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been able to deduce on my own. And that is someone who does not give a shit what anyone else has to say about uh, where a show could potentially be going while I'm watching it. I mean, I think recaps for individual episodes are helpful in how they reiterate what happened in case you missed something or how they help you um, at certain critical junctures figure out uh, sort of what you've seen, figure out what what the narrative is really about, um, other ways of looking at it, perspectives and whatnot. But... Uh, naturally, because of loss, so much of the conversation was about theories, and it was like true detective, you know, to the next degree. And I found all of that so insufferable. The moment someone would come up to me and say, like, "Oh, I think the island is," I was like, "I don't care what you think. Like, I don't even care what I think. I never ever would sit there and and wonder how it would all play out because I'm invested in the story to see how they tell it. And uh, I was only, you know, I'm certainly open to griping about the. Uh, some of the conclusions that they came to, and et cetera. But uh, the only iteration of the story that I was interested in seeing was the one that uh, they were telling. Well, with that, with that sort of, I guess, embracing of the intention of the series at its end, have you gone back and revisited the series at all? Well, uh, part of what I think is so interesting about what you're doing uh, with this project is that my biggest reservations about revisiting the series um, – have a lot to do with how bored I'd be watching it. I mean, I think that uh, the characters became a lot less interesting to me as the seasons went on, and uh, they kept you know, trying to find ways to develop the show. And, you know, I think that so much of what... Uh, a lot of information took very, very, very long to come out. Not, not information related to the mythology of the show, necessarily, uh, so much as just basic character information was delivered so agonizingly slowly simply because of the nature of serialized television. They felt they had to stretch it over these things that um, I think that there could be a genuine utility for people like me and what you're doing and taking the flashes out because 
uh, as someone who would only need the occasional reminder that so and so did so and so because the flashbacks are always the worst. Like no, there nothing ever interesting <laughs> happened in the flashbacks. Uh, some of it would be pertinent information, but like it was never really dramatically interesting to me. So I would disagree I with that, but only everything that became incidents. like the time travel stuff and the flash forwards when they revealed to be the flash forwards. That was the one time watching the show where I thought to myself, I bet these are flash forwards, and I was right. And I thought that that was like dramatically interesting. Not that I was right, but what they were doing, um, and it sort of put this new. It recontextualized everything, but yeah, I mean, I think that uh, for for someone like me, it would be I'd make Lost a lot more watchable to have that crap that I already know that hard information just taken out. I set one overall ground rule besides not having any of the flashes, and that's the condition that I must include something from every episode. As an example of my method, let's look at the twelfth episode of season one, whatever the case may be. It's a Kate episode, and in her flashbacks, she's involved in a New Mexico bank robbery, and most of the episode, elsewise, revolves around Kate wanting a toy airplane that belongs to Tom Brennan, her childhood friend and crush. But we can't use any of that, so considering episode 12 fits into my arc about abductions and guns, where the survivors become aware of the others and find firearms to give them the advantage, let's see how this episode about Kate's love life got digested into the island plot. Step 1. Split the episode into scenes. Using the full episode, divide it roughly into scenes. In this case, 28 scenes with distinct story motions. Just in case you want to check later, those are Kate and Sawyer in the jungle. Kate and Sawyer find the case. The tide is rising. Shannon and Boone argue. A Kate flashback. Kate tries to steal the case from Sawyer. Saeed talks to Shannon to get her help with the maps. Sawyer tries to pick the lock on the case. Boone and Locke go to the hatch. Rose notices Charlie is depressed. Sawyer tries to break the case open. Sawyer chases Kate and the case. Sawyer gets the case back. Another Kate flashback. Saeed and Shannon flirt. Jack and Son talk about the garden. Kate tells Jack about the case and needs him to dig up the marshal. Rose tries to cheer up Charlie. Kate, another Kate flashback. Kate tries to hide the key from Jack. Shannon deciphers nonsense French on the map. Jack threatens to withhold antibiotics from Sawyer to get the case. Jack tells Kate that they'll open the case together. Another Kate flashback. Jack and Kate open the case. Jack asks about the toy airplane. Charlie cries with Rose. Shannon sings over the ending montage. Step 2. Cut all the flashes. For the purposes of this edit, all the flashbacks go first. In this episode, the flashbacks are the A plot for the original episode, leaving us with the B and C plots on the island, which we'll deal with after Step 3. Step 3. Cut island travel and recapping. A lot of Lost is going from place to place while running or spouting expositional dialogue. After making note of where the travel occurs and what is discussed, all the travel scenes get pulled out. Also yanked are the recapping exposition. In this case, Charlie is sad because Claire is missing, Sun has a garden, and the tide is coming in, forcing them to move off the beach. Step 4. Isolate the island plot or plots. In order to know what to cut, you have to know what the episode is supposed to accomplish. What we're left with after steps 2 and 3 is the island plot. This is the first storytelling advantage we have over the writers of the episode because we know the shape of the whole series. We now get to choose what this episode contributes to our greater edit. In this episode, on the island, 
the case has guns that come into play later, and Kate unsuccessfully tries to play Jack and Sawyer off each other for her own reasons. Also, Saeed and Shannon bond over trying to translate the French writing on Rousseau's map. The French ends up being nonsense, and Saeed and Shannon's flirtation is more important later on, so that plot goes completely at the beginning of Step 5. Step 5, beginning, middle, and end. Now that we've isolated our focus, we can find our A-plot by looking for the story with the beginning, middle, and end. The Jack Sawyer-Kate love triangle doesn't begin or end here, so the only important thing to include is Kate manipulating them. The story with the beginning, middle, and end is Jack getting the guns inside of the case. Okay, so we're about to jump into a sort of re-edit of the first season of Lost, but I wanted to separate out the pilot for a few reasons, mostly because if we're going to be taking a macro view, the pilot actually can't do anything all that important outside of establish, you know, characters in place. Certainly uh, for the way a pilot's constructed for television, where it's supposed to be able to last seasons upon seasons upon seasons until it could go into syndication. Um, They can't actually answer any of its larger questions. And so because of that, um, the show Lost, and I think a lot of TV show pilots, uh, especially for comedies, but sometimes for dramas that are going to do something more with their storytelling than with their character investigations, uh, depend on sort of generalized archetypes. So Jack can be described as the doc that needs to save everybody, and Claire is the mother who's afraid to have her baby, and Charlie is the heroin addict who needs to be saved and redeemed and then eventually you know has to sacrifice himself for the greater good and do a selfless act but um the interesting thing about the pilot is when you're trying to just look for the key things that are going to serve as the beginning of your story almost all of it just dissolves into set pieces and um sort of mood setting which i guess would work if i was somebody looking at Uh, approving a television series because they're showing that you could, you know, how you're going to tell your story and how you're going to do, you know, different island scenes and different action scenes and then obviously introducing the monster. But it just, there's no really good way to watch the pilot and I've tried to abbreviate it down to like, I don't know, 32 minutes, but even then it seems bloated. Um, Is how good can you judge a television series based on its pilot and like use of archetypes? Is that... Is it always worth digesting the first two episodes of something for this exact reason? Don't you think? Wait, wait, skipping it in terms of pleasure of rewatch or in terms of trying to analyze how the show works as a whole? I mean, in terms of a rewatch, I don't know. I guess that would be the perfect place to start. Do you guys rewatch pilots? Well, I was just rewatching... Because uh, I only learned the other day that The Wonder Years is on Netflix. So apparently it's been there for a while. <laughs> no, I and, think it just appeared because it took them a long time to get the music rights. I know their music, but I mean for a while, I mean like a few months. I don't know. I uh, Anyway. I, uh, Very on topic. Pilot, and I think – right. I mean I think the pilot, uh, like a number of my favorite shows, of which I'm not sure if The Wonder Years is one of them, but The Simpsons or The Gilmore Girls or whatever the fuck it is, it's um, – they, you know, they, they write these things not in real time, but they develop them over time, and I think it's inherent to the TV, uh, the television medium. I think Lost Pilot is um, well, they certainly worked, you know, retroactively a lot to try to uh, use that pilot as, as a bible, which I think is not the case in, in almost any other show. But uh, you know, you're seeing them iron out the kinks and find out what the show really is. And you watch the Wonder Years, and it's like Chris Elliott isn't doing the voiceover, and Winnie Cooper has an older brother, and like everyone's a child. And like <laughs> you know, that's a, that may have been the show that the writer, you know, the the series creator had in mind when they pitched the pilot. But 
it's invariably not what the show becomes. And I think Lost, because of the nature of the, the mysteries and whatnot, how everything sort of rotated around this island, uh, was a lot more beholden to the pilot than a lot of shows. So I think that Lost would not have worked, unlike something like The Wonder Years, where the pilot is no great shakes, if the pilot were not sufficiently compelling. And the pilot yeah. is so famously great. I mean, I still yeah. think – I haven't watched The Lost Pilot in a long time, but as I remember it holding up incredibly well. And, you know, it was expensive. J.J. Abrams was directing it. It like got everyone hooked. It became this phenomenon. So it was almost like this dragon that the series was chasing in terms of like hype and people and being excited about it. One of the few things I do know about the writing process of Lost because I'm – you know, I saw every episode, but I can't say I'm a hardcore fan is uh, – I can't remember where I was reading this, but how how much they didn't know when they made it. I mean, like how how yeah. much of what we now consider to be fundamental tenets of the major characters in the show, like they had no idea of. Like they didn't know why why they knew that Locke was or John uh, that Locke was used to be in a wheelchair, but they didn't know why, and they they knew you know everything. They had no idea. Well, that's why I think the flashbacks become so important, and why I mean, first off, I love pilots like i go back and watch pilots still as david was saying just to see like where the thinking was starting and how it evolved knowing the whole show um and just kind of juxtaposing those two things um i think i watched the 24 pilot like once a year because 24 rules really really i love 24 and i love oh, the first episode anyway but just and i and i think the lost pilot does a really good job of setting up what it's going to do, which is here's a group of people who are just um, acting out of instinct, you know, the things that we have to do fundamentally as people if we were in a situation like this, um, you know, set up camp, save people, you know, be be friends, be good people. Uh, and, th- and that's what the flashbacks – that's why they're so vital to the show because they're not good people. <laughs> they're bad people and most of them are bad and they've all done horrible things in their lives. Um, but we need to see that and it needs to be on the nose and it needs to be a little ridiculous uh, because of how colorful these characters get to be uh, in order to sustain a show and also be compelling. But because if it was just the action on the island um, and we had to get all – we had to learn about these people through subtext of walking and talking on the island, I don't think it would be as flavorful. I don't think we would really be able to swing the pendulum back and forth between how strong and um, – helpful and and good these people are on the island and then how bad they are in reality and i think the the pilot does a really good job of that and setting that up so that we can have coherent and valuable flashbacks later so is rewatching the pilot and isolating only the on-island structure like i've been doing or is rewatching the pilot appreciating how it was written as an episode of television which one's more meta which one's more meta yeah, is there, like, different degrees? Did I jump past, like, hey, look, J.J. Abrams, good job. You didn't really can do a complete narrative in the pilot, but you did do something that no one did before, and it obviously well, worked. J.J. So. Abrams had his dream assignment, because he could set up the ultimate mystery box and not be responsible and then not for actually any of the answers. <laughs> yeah, it might be the best thing he's done precisely because of that. No. Because he didn't have to actually open the box. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they were at no point was he instructed to provide answers. They were like, just go nuts. Just raise as many questions as you possibly can in as interesting a way as you can. And he was like, And can we, can we establish if any of us care that they didn't? Like, I know that some Lost fans go crazy when they're just like, they didn't even know the whole time. They told us they did and they figured it out. Whereas 
I have no problem accepting that as just standard. Why would you want them to know? It feels like it would be so rigid. It's like such a challenge and you can see the challenge and enjoy the challenge of having to throw out this mystery and then try and solve it over X amount of time. I find that to be a very intriguing exercise creatively. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it's such an investment of your time to watch a television show. You want to feel like you're in good hands. And I personally uh, so detest that culture of fan suggestions is what should happen. Oh, we know. Oh, we know. Uh, that I, but it's not know, as if Lost was informed just, by that. These are these are right, creative people taking just, on their own challenge. It kind of was. You really? It that came informed by that it. Idea makes the Nikki and Paolo episode is famously people being like, why don't we see what's going right. on with the other people on the island? And they did it and people went crazy. And they like, I mean, Damon Lindelof, I think, demonstrated with his presence on Twitter that he takes what fans say way too seriously. He listens mm. way more than he should. And there's a lot – I mean, you know, you get in the later seasons and you see them trying to start, like, filling in answers that maybe didn't necessarily need to be answered and kind of veering toward this harder mythology that I think the show really needed. There's stuff like with the temple especially that just drives me crazy whenever I think about it. And I think that's a result of them being like, oh, God, you guys have got to get all the answers. So, I mean, if, I think what we've learned with uh, other mystery shows or things that you've used sort of a mystery structure, you know, be it True Detective or be it 24, is even when there is a complete narrative and the showrunners know the end, the fans are going to do the exact same thing they do as if the showrunners don't know the end. So mm-hmm. I hear that sort of criticism that that's what we think we want in our first time going through it. but Well, who's like, to say that... <laughs> You know, I think Katie's point about uh, Damon Lindelof being very uh, concerned with what people say is a, it's a real threat because, like, who's to say how True Detective season two will be informed by fan criticism? Well, I'm not saying that all, you know, it's different, of course, to have feedback and respond to that, which I think is a fundamental part of making a lot of art. Um, and, uh, you know, being held ransom to the whims of your fans. But. Yeah, and I think there's something that we'll, I mean, get to probably in our next segment about plot arcs, but you could definitely tell that they stop paying a lot of attention to what the fans want to have happen once they realize they're going to get to an ending that they get to plan. So it's going to be pretty sweet, guys. Check it out. sort of moving on to a larger degree of story which is the story arc and so there are arcs within arcs within arcs obviously the well put together scene should be its own mini story arc that has a beginning middle and end and a character reversal but i want to talk about in terms of re-watching and live watching television how cognizant we are of story arcs. I imagine we're going to be more on the rewatch because we're not actually hooked into the, I guess, propulsive narrative of whatever the show is trying to make us feel. But I know that 
I get together with somebody and watch TV like once a week. And then as soon as the episode's over, and then sometimes even during commercials, we actively talk about what's going on in the episode. This is really a lot easier if you like get together with and watch elementary or law and order with your friends and actually try to figure out a procedural mystery. But even in like another show, like Katie was mentioning when, you know, she looks back on the temple uh, arc of Lost and just sees it's a whole bunch of wasted time. I kind of feel like when we were watching that and then it was airing live in the sixth season that you could feel that about halfway through the temple arc that everything at the temple was going to be a waste of time. So I remember of, feeling that way, but I don't know if that's me projecting onto the past. Well, I think, I don't know, for me, it's I feel like it becomes disinteresting because you know it's a waste of time and, and you know, it's it's not... Uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to see where causation is there because it's like I'm not interested in this because I think it's going to be a waste of time and the onus is on the show to convince me otherwise. Yeah, but is that like – I mean how much of that is live and I mean, it's weird because I don't think that we've established you're the kind of person to rewatch Lost. So let me ask you this. If you were to rewatch a plot arc of Lost mm-hmm. since that's not like your thing, what's like the key moment you would hone in on? And what story would you need to hone up and relive? Are on you that asking moment? a specific episode and kind of story, or just like in general? Yeah, if you, David Ehrlich, didn't want to see like the whole island episode right. or narrative, but you wanted to see something, what would that be? Uh, I would probably focus in on the end of season three. I don't know. Okay, but... so that's like the reveal that there's going to be a flash forward. Yeah. So the, the, the interesting thing about that is, from a narrative standpoint of how the story's structured, you actually jump forward into 2007 to the end of season four at the end of season three. So how much encompasses that story arc for you if that's your key moment? Hmm? So at the end of season three, we jump forward to Bearded Jack, gotcha. who is actually trying yes. who is trying to get back to the island, which he doesn't do until the beginning of season five. Right. So essentially, you're jumping all the way forward and seeing part of a story arc that but is actually. What I'm saying is like when I in was interested, and you're hearing what is enveloped in why I was interested. But my interest in watching the end of season three, and I guess, I guess you're trying to find the disparity between like my live experience and now. But uh, I don't know. I mean, like, because like my interest in season three certainly at the time at the end of season three has no bearing on what happened two years later or a year later in uh, in reality of them releasing the show. Uh, but I don't know if I I don't know if I could hop around like that. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I would hop around to individual episodes. I remember distinct episodes of just be like having really good tension or having really good character reveals. Like I have, I mean, most of the uh, Ben and Locke were always my favorite scenes. I like those characters. I like the actors together. So like the one where they're locked in the hatch together, and I, I can't remember which one it's called, but it's like Lockdown. it's basically when he's revealing himself to be more than the Henry Gale who's locked in. He's like this, you know, amiable prisoner. So anything like that, I kind of just hone in on these beats that have really nothing to do with the mythology, which I think. Sounds like it's the opposite of what you would do, Dave. Well, I mean, it's interesting because how I would react to an episode like Lockdown, which you're talking about, <laughs> nicely is, done. I would, I would watch it and then see the map with the question mark that Locke sees when mm-hmm. Ben's supposed to be pressing the button, and that would make me watch the question mark episode, which would then like set me off on something crazy, like wanting to know where all the Dharma stations were. 
See, it seems like you, like the way that you hook back into it is by finding satisfaction in how the mythology was built up, which is something that I tend not to think about at all when I remember what I like best about the show. But it's also like I... A lot of what we're talking about now are facts. It's like, you know, the mythology getting to the bottom of the facts. I vividly remember after watching Lost, consulting the Lostpedia uh, at my own leisure to sort of piece everything together. But it has no, you know, at no point did I consider actually rewatching the show because I didn't really find the show significant enough or, you know, interesting enough to devote that kind of time to it. Uh, I wanted to explore more freely without being locked into the, uh, you know, very slow usually kind of facile dramas to what was happening on the island. It's like, okay, I'm interested in the mythology and the world they created. I'm interested in filling those lost those gaps. Uh, and what's the quickest way that I can do it and sort of still, uh, uh, you know, return to that headspace and, and that world of the show. And when I think the best resource for returning to the world of the show and the most vivid one is not watching the show, but simply reading a wiki about it, like that's, that was very telling for me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that seems interesting because it's, for me, it's more satisfying, not so much because I'm getting fed answers about the mythology because, you know, like David watched for the characters and can distill down to a moment that he would want to revisit. You know, I also have those moments, but I'm trying to make the mythology feel better by making it into a narrative without any sort of... uh, I don't know, extraneous parts. Like, if I just wanted to focus on the hatch, I would do that storyline rewatch that I was talking about because it really does sort of tell a complete story of these stations built to watch each other. And then that it's, sort of. It's interesting what you label extraneous because I don't think I could boil down. I, I completely agree with your assessment that there are arcs within larger arcs and you could probably just watch episodes focused on a certain subject. Um, For me, if I was going to go back through Lost, I'd probably look up the little moments that happened in episodes and rewatch those. Something that comes to mind is like when Hurley and... um, uh, and the gang, I forget who's there, Jin, um, find the the Dharma bus, and they're like driving the Dharma bus around the island. Or I think Jack and Hurley play golf at some point. Not not that I was a big fan of Hurley or something, um, but these these little moments come to mind. And I know a lot of the stuff that you end up cutting from episodes in a way to kind of distill them down to the necessary parts are these walk and talks through the jungle. But for me, those are repeating, you know, they're either... um, they're indulging in character, and that's what I liked about Lost, which is why I could also enjoy the flashback moments. Actors that I like, playing characters that I like, and I just want to watch them doing things. Um, and sometimes the mythology crossed over there. I think when the, the uh, Islanders first found the Dharma camp sites or when they were kidnapped and put in cages like even that silly stuff is forcing these people to have conversations about something that uh, they deem emotional and those are the little beats that i care about i don't know if you can kind of cut them apart and make you know it's not just the hatch narrative for me it's something that's sprinkled throughout that i find more appealing well, see, that's interesting because the way that Lost is structured, and I imagine that the way a television show should be structured, is you can't completely excise anything that you're talking about. Like, Locke's going to tell somebody that he was in a wheelchair when he needs them to believe that it's miraculous that he could walk on the island. So we're just losing character nuance 
which are the moments that you're enjoying, but I don't think we're necessarily, because we've done a previous watch and this is a rewatch, losing any necessary story beats. Yeah, I mean, when you're rewatching, as you as you say, that you're filling in the information that you already know. So why go back and watch an episode where Locke gives a piece of essential information? I'll tell you why. Because you well, well, re- remember... If you, don't en- if you don't enjoy it, I mean. Like, okay, that's you're not true. Interested in revisiting. But I think you would enjoy it because it's important to know when we, the first time, learned that, say, Locke was in a wheelchair. It becomes a secret. It's planted in the narrative so that it can be revealed again later. Uh, Dave, but that's not you, necessarily... You, like, for me to go back and enjoy lockdown i don't need to remember when exactly that happened but yeah, you may enjoy thing. it more because you do that's the thing that's true i might in the, the rewatch process when we can start deciding what to rewatch, uh we can be too picky and choosy we might enjoy moments even more we might enjoy the show we might enjoy the show more than we we do by being less selective by kind of plowing through the entire thing and seeing when the writers were deciding to to teach us certain facts or to have the characters reveal those facts to other characters no, I mean, like, I, mean, I feel in general, if, if the reveals are dramatically satisfying beyond the, uh, I don't know, beyond how they contribute to the mythology, like, it should be pleasant to rewatch them. And that's why I think we keep returning to the lock thing, because it's a satisfying, dramatic moment in and of itself from what we know of the show into that point where we learn that he uh, used to be in a wheelchair. But there are so many things. It's like, there's like, for example, in almost every episode's flashbacks, especially as the show went on, there'd be a moment where we'd be like, oh my god, this character interacted with that character? And it means nothing. <laughs> it's just uh, it's just like a neat yeah. thing to add it to the footnotes of Lostpedia. Uh, and like that stuff, I don't care to see again. I guess the, to loop it back to what I was trying to say about David's point is because it's a rewatch and the things that patches you're bringing up that you like about the flashes, those are secrets between the show and the audience. And because we've experienced it all, those are secrets that we can't fully recapture the tension that they built. Uh, I disagree because I think there's a visceral reaction to the moment you learn them. Even if you're clinging on to something from the get-go, even if you were to rewatch all of Lost at once, I still think you'd have an aha moment, almost similar to how you would feel if two characters who have never talked before meet in season six. You know, to kind of throw that moment away, I do enjoy moments like that, even if they're red herrings, because it's just like, ah, these two characters get to meet. I like both of them. I'm interested. And to see them kind of cross paths, it's it doesn't have to make any sense almost it's just a gut reaction and and i think i would have the same reactions to reveals even if i already know the information it's about how it's presented it's about mm-hmm. it's about that experience of when lindelof and cruz get to kind of go see this yeah I mean, I would go back and watch Ben Linus reveal that he is actually this evil plotter over and over again because I like that character. I'm interested in the way that he was played and the way that he was written on the show. And it doesn't – I mean, it takes something away that I know now. But there was stuff on Lost that happened that I was spoiled about just from reading too many internet forums. But that didn't mean that I enjoyed what happened less. I mean, I agree, but you're talking about stuff that happens on Island, and I'm trying to say to Patches that what he likes about the Flashes, or what he remembers liking about the Flashes, isn't the same now if you were to go back and rewatch it, because it's more like a, oh, remember when that happened, because the things that we're talking about, the things we're being shown as the audience, nobody's having referenced 
actually on the island in this other plot that you know is providing all this propulsive action. Mystery. Maybe, but there's a non-plot reason for me to rewatch those scenes because I enjoy either how ridiculous they are or I enjoy seeing a character live through that moment again. If I'm going to rewatch the show, I like the show, um, which is why if I watch 24, I'll sit through. Kim running away from a cougar. Um, it's ridiculous. That actually happens? But I'm glad. Yes, yes it actually happens. Only on the happens. second season. Second season. Every okay. season, Kim runs away from a cougar. It's amazing. Um, every day is the same. They, re- they got to that point by the second season. That's I, now I really want like a 24 show, but it's Groundhog Day. So every season's the same. Um, <laughs> but I, I will rewatch that moment because it's so ridiculous. And it's part of what I loved about the show the first time. I want to... F- to relive it, and even if it's uh, Kate robbing a bank, uh, I want to see it again just to see why they would put that in there. I'm questioning the decisions um, because I know what comes after it, and I'm interested by the choice. Interesting. I've looked into the eye of this island, and what I saw was beautiful. All right, so I managed to cut down the first season of Lost into episode arcs and talk about how each individual episode broke into scenes, and I think now we also have the entire mythology, or what I consider the mythology to be answered in actual quotes and context clues um, in 12 minutes, which is sort of, I guess the sum conclusion of what happens when I do a rewatch with access to big data of wikis and editing and lots of digital goodies. It almost, it it almost out, tells you how worthless the mythology is. It really does because there's so much of that cut that I had to pull from extras on the season collection, the series Blu-ray set. set. So like all the answers weren't implicitly even in the show. It was... It was weird, but I did learn that there's just... um, It's interesting because if you look at each of these individual arcs in terms of what ended up being really important, uh, besides obviously the characters, but like, you know, the echoing of the myth between the man in black and Jacob and uh, Ben and Charles Widmore sort of battle over the others and the Dharma Initiative's sort of, you know, way of battling science versus faith way before the Losties sort of show up. Um, They're all very distinct and wrapped up kind of neatly in the last two seasons. Uh, But I think that means that there are complete answers there. I just, I don't know. I think this this reinforces that I didn't really want a science fiction show to begin with. (laughs) Wait, so this has made you hate Lost or like Lost more? Or like um, television. What, where, what's the macro view of this entire I'm no endeavor? longer angry at Lost for I not. I mean, I feel like for Dave, Lost is just the tool to yes. explore something else entirely. It's It's interesting to me because it's like the way that we are now capable in TV storytelling of layering stories upon stories upon stories to like... I don't know, the Arrested Development season four level where you might as well be watching it four times if you want to try to digest it in any sort of way that they intended. 
that you know it frees us up to do things like this with tv series without really harming it because what you learn is a successfully written and plotted tv series have these intersection points you know scenes like the end of season three which is technically a flashback but like i would be stupid to leave it out of any sort of comprehensive rewatch i was doing of lost because it became so integral to the story it was telling as a whole so it's like you know jack and Locke have a conversation in exodus that ends up echoing the finale and things that happen in season three are explained in season five and sort of because they were telling these stories about these characters week to week and sort of haphazardly connecting the mythology the picture isn't as complex as I was meant to think it was be, but it doesn't mean it isn't there in a very real way. I feel like you're warning me against selective rewatches in the end. This reminds me of when they, and I think you indulge in this too. Tell me if I'm wrong, but X-Files yeah. back in the DVD days packaged like just the mythology episodes of X-Files. Um, and so if you wanted to, if you were an addict and you needed the answers. You could just get the mythology episodes. But I feel you know, bad for the people who did that because all the best X-Files episodes have nothing to do with the season-long and show-long arcs. There and- was something really interesting along those lines. In uh, There's an anime series that they developed out of the Ghost in the Shell movies called Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. And what they would do is the title – the color of the title card before each episode – would tell you if the episode had uh, was tied into the main story of the season <laughs> or was a standalone episode that was just pure world-building whatever. Um, and there was a really interesting way of sort of cueing you as to what to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, what, I was, what the X-Files did is actually not an example of what I was talking about where you're layering stories in a way where there are key pivot moments because X-Files would have like a monster of the week or, you know, same with like procedurals, you could do big guest star shows and whatnot. But in terms of telling a story, I mean, those X-Files mythology things were interesting only because certain ones would just be like, Ooh, there are mysterious lights in the sky and other ones like the super soldier arc, which was lame but told an entire story of, you know, an evolution of this alien whatever hybrid that was sensitive to that metal. So it in itself was a complete narrative, whereas, like, the UFO one that involved, like, the Erlenmeyer flask and whatnot doesn't actually hold a complete narrative from beginning to end. It just has all these little snapshots of Mulder seeing triangular UFOs. (laughs) But it seems like this experiment has proved that... that lost wouldn't really function like that like you wouldn't want i'm I'm trying to figure out what the the conclusion here for you is and for me watching you conduct this experiment i i i'm scared for people who have access to all of a television show and can choose what they want to watch because i feel like they gloss over what is important about the show the entire an entire episode is made up of mythology points and an A story with a character uh, thrust and then kind of a B story that doesn't seem as important and theoretically could be eliminated maybe if you wanted to. And then flashbacks that seem to only add details that could be considered inconsequential or redundant. Um, but as one entity, 
It's an important – it's what a lost episode is. It's why it worked in the moment, and it's why it could work again if you rewatch the entire series start to finish. By eliminating things, you devalue the series, and in the end, you decrease its cultural longevity. I mean, we want to cherish Lost because I think it really worked in the be- in, when we first watched it. From, and it was an interesting experiment beginning to end because it was a mystery show that they didn't know the, the end point. Um, and they had to put some filler in there in season three and maybe some season four when, until they finally had an end point. And, you know, season six is insanity. There's all sorts of mythological red herrings and bullshit. But we need to watch the whole thing to know Lost and to distill it is terrifying. I think it's a mistake. I mean, I mean I'm going to agree with you up till like that John last Hammond statement. John Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life will find a way. Lost will find a way beyond your crazy experiments. But I think it's important to see what this kind of thinking and what this, you know, to, to, because I think a lot of people with Netflix and Hulu and all the streaming services, with everything at our fingertips, when we make a choice, um, we can change how we know stories, and it's dangerous. Okay, see, I like all of that except the dangerous, it's wrong sort of thing because we're finally in an era where you're not waiting for something to, you know, air on a rerun or you didn't tape it on a VHS or you didn't join series in the middle without having the luxury like you did of catching up all the way on the mythology. So I don't think I'm, like, disrespecting it as much as, like, if Lost were, you know, a wrench... I bought the wrench, but then ended up using the slider function instead of using a fixed wrench. So now I could use this wrench for a whole bunch of different jobs instead of just the one it was prescribed for. I think that's what you're doing with it. But I think what Patches is concerned about is people who are like, oh, well, all the flashbacks were bullshit, so I don't like this show. But I mean, I guess, you know, art is to take with it what you're doing. I mean, your wrench metaphor is apt, but I, I, I agree that like to do that is to is to experiment, but it's not to know the show that you're digging into. So, okay, even as a rewatch, this is somehow knowing the show less by compiling this much data on it. Well, no, not compiling this much data on it, but by watching it in this kind of tra- – by, by deciding what doesn't need to be watched, by being like, here's all – here's if someone goes and just rewatches your cut – of what's unnecessary as opposed and then without even you know reading why you're talking about it or thinking about that stuff i don't think they're rewatching lost i mean i guess that's fair enough I, i'm just not sure if that was under debate i don't know if i would argue that what i've done is completely shown lost but i think there's enough there to trigger the feeling if you did rewatch lost I'm not sure that you would walk away with a different set of uh, experiences than if you watched a supercut of Lost. Honestly, it makes me want to go back and rewatch the whole series to see how these moments gel together. Like, I can appreciate the breakdown because now I know how all the gears are spinning. Um, but I do. I want to see them put together. It's like if I saw a car entirely dismantled and putting it out in front of me. Like, I'm looking at how many pieces go into this. That's amazing. But will someone put it the fuck together so I can drive away? Like, that's what I want now. And it's important because now I have a fundamental understanding of the show. Well, are you going to rewatch Lost then, Patches? No, I'm probably going to rewatch for 24. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Just to make David mad. Perfect. 
Pieces of light.